as we uh, read here, we got Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. It says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So he kicks it off in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what's so important here is when we understand biblical marriage, the primary goal of biblical marriage, just putting it into context here, it's not uh, this social uh, status and stability uh, move like, like it was in ancient culture. It's not even primarily a romantic uh, and emotional happiness that, that we have to have as our culture today preaches and, and places so much emphasis on. We see that husbands are told here to what? To love their wives as Jesus loved the church. Now, what is that love? That is a sacrificial love. Paul spends literally eight verses uh, instructing husbands here, and, uh, and he only took three to talk to wives. And so uh, when you think about the importance and, and, and how critical it is for guys to understand and know whether you're going into marriage, whether you're in marriage right now, whether like it is such a high calling and, and to understand and know the sacrificial component of it is so critical. So Paul's like, I'm going to talk uh, even more here to you men because you need to hear this. And I got to believe they needed to hear it because this was an area that was lagging. And we look at when we look at our culture right now, we see that this whole mindset, this whole mentality of sacrificial love in regards to a husband to a wife, we're missing it. And so we see sacrifice on behalf of the wife. It points to this specific kind of love from the husband. It's not headship by forcing your desires, your opinion, your will on your spouse. It's, it's actually, it's, it's self-sacrificing. It's, it's loving. It's not lording, okay? Uh, you know, when we look at uh, Jesus, Jesus' kind of love here, uh, this is the kind of love that he had for his bride, the church, that took him to the cross, uh, where his back was, was scorched, his hands and feet were nailed uh, to the wood, a spear was thrown into his side, a crown of thorns placed on his head, all because he loved the church. He willfully went through that out of a love for the church. And when you look at this sacrificial love, men, marriage is essentially a call to die, to die to your wife. John chapter 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And in Ephesians 5, 2, which we looked at a few weeks ago, it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Christ gave himself for the church. So the husband gives himself for his wife. Jesus came, we, we've, we've looked at, Jesus came to serve. Uh, we, we've talked the last couple weeks about uh, him literally at the, at the dining table, getting down and washing his disciples' feet and bringing this whole new way of headship, of leadership, uh, this whole model and understanding of what authority even looks like and turning it upside down and how he sacrificially served those that were under him essentially. 
Dying to self, it, 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 and when we look at this, like dying to self, it may involve, uh, for you husbands, it may involve sacrificing your schedule. It may even mean sacrificing your ambitions. See, when we even look at the Old Testament, Jacob, Jacob loved Rachel so much that he worked sacrificially 14 years to win her. 14 years. Some of you, it's like been two months and you're like, come on, come on. Like 14 years he worked to have that relationship with her. And when you think about um, just even sacrificing, whether it's ambitions or, 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 or just will or, or desires or, or just different things. And, and you think about sacrificing that on behalf of your spouse. Um, it, it's funny. I, I, was re- I was reminded of, of early on in our marriage and even before we were married, just how willing uh, I was to do that. I remember at one point I said, honey, and my wife was living in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And I was in uh, the Spokane, Washington area. And I remember I told her when we were engaged, if you want to live in Ohio, I will move to Ohio for you. And I remember saying that and, and uh, she didn't, but I remember saying that and I was thinking about that this week and I was thinking about how so often we in marriage go through this honeymoon phase where we we're like, we've read the marriage books, we look at what it says here biblically and as guys, as husbands, we want to emulate that whatever you want, honey, I want to sacrifice to you. I want to sacrificially lead all these things but then one year, two year, three year, four year, five year and all of a sudden uh, those feelings aren't there or at as strong, and now it takes work, uh, it takes daily choices, decisions, and you find yourself starting to lag in things that were so easy. And when I look at this sacrificial love that Christ has demonstrated for us and what we're called to emulate, I am so thankful that there never even was this honeymoon phase and how he's looked at me, it's been the same. He's, he's loved me unconditionally this whole time. And when you look at how he loved all of us, he, he then in turn says, you need to love this way. And it means giving yourself away for the good of your bride. It's a call to take the initiative. If you're a husband, I want to encourage you to take the initiative in sacrificially loving your wife. It's, it's active. It's activated. It's, it's not this, this thing that, that you turn on and off. It's, it's active. It's a daily choice and decision that you make to serve your wife and model and reflect Jesus. When you even look at uh, just the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll read a little bit here. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. That's huge. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the beginning of verse 8, it says, and love never ends. See, that's, that's the love that it's talking about. It's different. 
and, and you think about these things, you think about, man, like this calling where I, as a husband, am called to love her like Christ loved the church. Like, how in the world do I do that, right? Like, no human has the capacity to love as Christ has loved the church. Like, how, how in the world will we do that? But here's what's so awesome. You know, the, the theme of Ephesians essentially is what? Being in Christ, like in Christ, the new creation, the establishment of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower and the new nature that you are given. And, and one of the, the things that is so incredible when we talk about it and as we've gone through it, it's you are different than you were before. Um, who you are with Christ is, is 100% different than who you were uh, before that. And we look at what? What, what were we given? Well, we we are given Christ's nature within us, but we also have been given the Holy Spirit within us. And so God provides a way when he asks us to love as Christ loved the church, he's already provided the way for us to be able to do this. He's already given us and equipped us with whatever we need to be able to love that way. So you need to understand it's really easy to, to look at that and just go, that's not possible. I can't do that. But by the authority of Scripture, being in Christ, I have Christ. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And he says, now you have this new nature. You are now in Christ. Uh, so you can love like this. You can love like that. God provided a way for us to love as he loves Romans 5, 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So did you see that? God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So you have been taught by God to love one another, so you know what it looks like, and you have been equipped, you have been given the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so this is just one of the truths in Scripture and in your relationship with God. If you are a Jesus follower, whatever he calls and tells you to do, he has already equipped you and prepared you to be able to walk through it and to do it. When you go, oh, there's just no way, this is impossible, and God's laying this on my heart, he's telling me to do this, and, and, and this is a big deal. I mean, you think about how hard it is to sacrificially love your wife if you are married, uh, as Christ loved the church. That is a huge thing, but I tell you what, throughout Scripture, he never, ever asks anyone to do, and he'll never ask you to do anything that he hasn't already prepared or equipped you for. The problem is, for most of us, we don't take that first step of faith. And you know what? For those of you that maybe have never embraced loving someone like this, you've never even approached your wife, your spouse in this way, this is gonna take faith. It's gonna take faith because you've never experienced it. You've never uh, loved this way. And so uh, we, we look at this and it says, Jesus's love for his church not only was sacrificial, but it was graciously sacrificial. Now, this is, this is really important for us to understand and know. Not only was it a sacrificial love, but it, it was filled with grace, okay? Romans 5, 7 and 8, it says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Okay, now why is that so important? Like he sacrificed, he, he put, literally sacrificed his life, not for the lovely or the worthy or the deserving, but for the unlovely, the unworthy, and the undeserving. Okay, that's, that's who he went to the cross for. So, so when he <laughs> went to the cross, well, before he went to the cross, remember what he said. Is there any other way? Okay, like, like he didn't go for all these people uh, that, that he was just like, oh my goodness, yeah, they get it, they understand, they love me so much. I'm honored to go for these incredible people. Take me to the cross. No, if you don't remember, he's like, is there any other way, right? Is there any other way? Because these people despised him, they rejected him, they wanted nothing to do with him. Even his closest companions didn't know who he really was and they abandoned him. And so there he is, is there any other way but what we also see is that he still went to the cross didn't he in spite of all that in spite of what we didn't deserve what we didn't earn what we could never have 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 gotten to the point where we measured up and yet he still did that and what we see there is loving like this is an act of the will as well as a choice from the heart there is an act of the will where you have to make a decision that your heart may not feel like doing. You have to take that step forward out of obedience to God because that's what Jesus did. See, here's what's so interesting. The world's love, when we look at the world's love, the world's love is always object-oriented. You know, uh, people are loved because of what? Like physical attractiveness. You know, uh, I'm in love. I just saw her. I don't know her at all, but I'm in love, Steve. Or I found him. I've never talked to him. I don't know anything about him, but I just saw him and we connected, right? So so we're in love because of a physical attractiveness. Some, some of us, it's a personality uh, that we're in love with or or a status that somebody has that we're in love with or or just some other characteristic or belief or, or the way they talk or, or how they approach different things and we are in love with that. And what we've actually done, in other words, is we've defined what makes someone worthy of being loved. See, we've, we've, actually, we've actually defined now who has earned the right to receive my love. See, when, when, and, and the danger with that is we have created the different things that they have to have in order for me to give them that love. But the problem is what happens when a person loses that characteristic or those characteristics and they're no longer appealing based upon that one area that I love about them. That one characteristic, that status, that appearance that point of view, what happens then? See, this is, this is right now, this is a major issue. This is being revealed in so many marriages right now that aren't making it, is someone has changed in some way and the spouse loved them for something specific this or that, and, and, and when that is no longer there, or maybe that isn't a priority, or, or just now, let's, let's even say it's status or even a job, and, and let's say they don't have that anymore, and all of a sudden, because that was the piece that earned your love, it's no longer there, and so we see, I don't feel like I love you anymore. 
I don't desire you anymore. And it's not just a marriage problem right now. What I see uh, in, in the political climate and everything else in social media is I also see friends, family members, I see them choosing to not love each other anymore uh, based upon a belief based upon an opinion, whether it's about a virus, whether it's a, a, a political stance on something. And, and we are literally, what we're seeing right now with people attacking each other like this is we're literally seeing, especially with people that, that loved each other before, but now for whatever reason, uh-uh, is what we're seeing is their love was always attached to them aligning with their belief. That's not the love that, that Christ is talking about. That's not the love that he's telling us to give. And yet that is what we see within our culture right now is we will love if it aligns with what our view of your worthy to be loved is. And, and so that's how we select people whether it's in relationships. That's how, how we pick friends. And, and, the, and the danger is, like I just said, at some point your spouse will not maybe have that, will not measure up in that area, maybe will change. Your friends, your family, they're gonna change their, and all that. And if it's built on that, it won't last. When a person loses that characteristic, they're no longer appealing and the love based on the characteristic disappears. It's this kind of fickle love that's behind so many of these marriages. And as soon as a spouse loses that appeal, love is gone because the basis for the love is gone. And as I said, God's love is so far from that. It's not like that. If it was, he could not love us. Loving with Christ kind of love is not based on the attractiveness of the one love, but it's on God's command. Amen? 1 John 3.23, it says this, and this, is the, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. 1 John 4.11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, this love that he's asking us to give, and, and specifically husbands, but, but, we, but we know uh, throughout Scripture, throughout, even as we've been talking about marriage, and, and even as a Christian, it is a mutual submissiveness. That is the mindset. That is the attitude that I love other Christians and believers uh, with and how I treat them. But when we think about this specifically uh, to you, husbands, and, and what he is asking here, I mean, he's literally saying this love is a response based upon who you are in Christ. See, a husband is not commanded to love his wife because of what she is or is not. He is commanded to love her because it is God's will for him to love her. And you even more so demonstrate God's love for her when you don't believe she deserves it or has earned it or maybe even is undesirable. See, when, when you feel like your spouse is, uh, maybe it's just like, man, this is intolerable right now. This is just not working. I'm so annoyed. We keep fighting. We can't seem to make it work. We're on different pages all the time. Uh, like, I, uh, I want you to just remember this, especially in light of, our, of, of you know, what he's saying here. See, our sins put Jesus on the cross, <laughs> So, so you're like, oh, my spouse is killing me, Steve. And you may be a wife. And you're like, my husband's killing me. You may be a husband. My wife is killing me, Steve. Well, you actually, by your sin, by my sin, we put Jesus on the cross. 
And yet, what did he do? He forgave us. Jesus saw our sin. He saw it. As he went to the cross, he saw it. You didn't hide from him. He knew, he knew this was going to happen in your life. He knew this was going to be your story. He knew these were going to be your decisions. He knew that this is what you had done. He knew that you didn't deserve it or earn it and that you were going to do all these things and, and, and say all these things. He knew all of that, and yet he willingly covered it on the cross. And he says, husbands, you love like that. See, and here's what's crazy. Like, Jesus went beyond the grave out of the love for his bride. He didn't just love to the point of sacrificial death, but he resurrected out of love for his bride. Incredible. In, in 26 and 27, it said uh, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So the husband's love will also be, as we see here, a sanctifying love. Now, when you see the word sanctify, that means to set apart. Okay. Um, as we looked at last week, in marriage, the husband and wife are set apart to belong to each other. Okay, so they're set apart. Uh, to the husband belongs to the wife. The wife belongs uh, to the husband. And when we think about how, literally, how, how God has set us apart, this incredible work here, right? Like Christ and the church, his bride, how he's literally set uh, her apart for himself, well, how did he do that? Well, this setting apart, it required a cleansing that Jesus achieved for the church in his death, an act pictured as a washing that we just read. Now, some take this section of scripture here and they take this as ongoing sanctification, right? The process of becoming more like God, or they look at this and they go, no, this is positional sanctification, uh, what it's talking about here. Now, here's what's important for us to understand because sometimes we get so caught up in that that we don't understand that, that <laughs> um, we need both. And, and, and this actually reflects both because positionally we see this reality and Paul reinforces the idea of the, of the cleansing uh, that had to happen for the forgiveness of our sins. But there's also what? The process of sanctification in our lives that we have to lead, that we have to cultivate, uh, that we have to love out of. And so uh, what's beautiful about this is you see both of these alive and well in this passage. And so Paul, he reinforces this whole idea of cleansing with the image of a bath. And, and what we see here is the, this marriage imagery. And, and, and we see it in Ezekiel 16. And, and, and we understand and know uh, from Jewish history that, that there was this uh, prenuptial bath uh, in Jewish customs that, that Paul knew about that was very common imagery uh, in fe- that they would uh, bathe before, right before uh, the, the wedding and they'd be presented in that moment. We know uh, from history in ancient Greece, uh, a bride-to-be would be taken down to a river to be bathed and ceremonially cleansed from every defilement of her past life so that she uh, symbolically would be presented to her husband without any physical or emotional uh, you know, blemish or anything. And so whatever had been in her life before it was now symbolically, uh, she was purified and she would enter the marriage uh, with all her past, whatever issues, they were washed away. 
And so as he's talking about this positionally, the church is already sanctified through the person work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then practically she is being set apart day by day. So Christ cleanses his bride spiritually through the word of the gospel. We see in John 15, 3, it says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So he's, he's talking about this sanctification process, this setting uh, aside that he has for his bride to belong to him. And, and, it's, and it's through the gospel that it has happened. It's through what Jesus has done on the cross. And then we see, because the gospel is active, it's alive, it's the word of God that is moving uh, and speaking. And, and so we see this continual nature that we need to have with it. And Paul emphasizes this spiritual cleansing that takes place as well. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So just as Jesus' blood cleanses us once for all from the guilt and penalty of sin, so the Word of God cleanses continually to keep us from the destruction and the distraction of sin. And sin is anything that's in opposition to God. So when we look at this and we look at man, like, so, you know, he set aside his bride. He, you know, he died on the cross, like all all these things. And through his word, like we see that process of continual uh, sanctification. Uh, How does this apply for husbands? What is he saying? Well, the love of the husband for his wife ought to be cleansing her and him, so that both are becoming more like Christ. A husband should love his bride in a way that helps her grow in likeness to Jesus. The question I have is, is your wife more like Jesus because she's married to you? Or is she like Jesus in spite of you? See, we should help each other become you know, we read uh, here in these verses, we read about this, this, this future, right? So that, so that in 27 here, let me just read this. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that, that she might be holy and without blemish. So he's, so he's looking forward here and what he's saying in our purpose and our pursuit and how we love and, and he's looking forward to this time. And so, and so what we see there is, is something that we're supposed to be looking towards, that we're supposed to be moving towards. And, and, and really it's our future glory selves, right? When we're presented, uh, like it says, they're spotless without blemish before God. And, and the only way that's happened, the only way we've been declared righteous is what? Through Jesus Christ. But this, this new uh, creation that God will eventually make us into as we, as we stand before him, like you've got to remember and understand that Right now, if you are in Christ, you have this new nature, this new self, but you're physically here on earth. So there's this old self that is still trying to creep its way back in, that's trying to invade on God's territory in your life. You've got to be on guard against that. And so we see this difference. The old self was consumed by uh, anxiety, the need to prove myself, uh, maybe bad habits or other sins or character flaws that were with that old self. But I am now in Christ through 
receiving the forgiveness of my sins, receiving uh, and entering into this relationship with Jesus. I am in Christ. I am a new creation. And so by nature, this new self means I am liberated from all of my sins and my flaws from my past. And this new self that I am in, this in Christ, it is a what? It is a work in progress, but it should be a continual glimpse as I grow in it. It should be a continual glimpse of what it is going to be when we are presented at the very end of time as Christ's bride before himself. Biblical marriage is to look at another person and get a glimpse of the person God is creating and to say, I see who God is making you, and I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with you. I want to partner with you and God in the journey that you are taking to his throne. See, each spouse should see the great thing that Jesus is doing in the life of their mate through the gospel. They should be able to see that. Each spouse should see that, and then they should ask themselves, whether you're the husband or the wife, you should be asking, how am I being used as a vehicle to help my spouse get to that place before God? And that's a question I was even wrestling through this week. And, 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 and how can I be used by God to help, uh, whether it's lead, whether, it's, whether that's enable, empower, whether, whether it's, it's, it's submission, or whatever that looks like to help my spouse move forward like that. I need to be a vehicle. And it's not to be a vehicle so that she or, or he becomes what I want them to be. Right? Like, like sometimes as a wife, I am, I am doing this so that my husband, he will become what I want him to be. And, and as a husband, and particular here as we're talking to husbands, you sometimes may do things so that it gets your spouse to be what you want them to be. This is the opposite of that. This is loving them sacrificially in such a way that you're helping them become all that God has designed them to be. See, You see the kind of person Jesus is making them into and you're all in to help push that forward. What keeps the marriage going is our commitment to our spouse's holiness. That's your job as a husband. You know, on the cross, Jesus, you know, as I was talking about earlier, Jesus didn't look down on us with this heart full of approval and affection, right? When he, when he went to the cross, no, he, he, he didn't feel this like special uh, connection, but he still went through and he gave himself for us. And what we see in that moment is he put our needs ahead of his own and he sacrificed for us. See, the Bible tells husbands not only to imitate the quality of Christ's love, but also the goal of Christ's love. Well, what was it? Jesus died not because we were lovely, but to make us lovely. As Paul says, to make us holy. Paul is urging husbands to help their spouses love Jesus even more than to love them. What a powerful thing. Only if I love Jesus more then I love my wife, will I be able to serve her needs ahead of my own? He's got to be my reason. 
And the more, I, the more joy I get from my relationship with Jesus, the more I can share that joy with my wife and my family. See, men, I, I want to challenge you here. We need to be concerned about our wife's spiritual well-being. And when I say concerned, you need to care. You're called to care. You need to be in the word personally. Talk about the word with your spouse, with your wife. Care for her soul. Shepherd her faithfully. The chief shepherd, what did we read earlier? Lays down his life for his sheep. See, when a husband's love for his wife is like Christ's love for his church, he will continually seek to help purify her, protect her, guard her from evil, help lead her away from that. He will seek in that, in that to, to enable his wife to be all that God has called her to be. When a wife experiences a husband that is sacrificially leading in this way, she is all in. The church, listen, the church today is not perfect, right? It has spots, it has wrinkles, because why? The church allows itself to be defiled by the world, we see that in the church and it needs constant cleansing and the word of God through the power of the spirit is the cleansing agent. As the church is nourished by the word through the spirit, the spots disappear, we see. And one day he himself will present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that we just read, but holy and without blemish. And he talks about that in Jude 24. He talks about the end when he's going to present us before the Father, the church. But I'm reminded of what Paul tells the, the, the Christians in Philippi. In Philippians 1.6, it says this. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love that. He will bring the work to completion. Slowly but surely, by the Spirit's power, he will bring the work to fruition. As we, as we sacrificially lead, as we sacrificially love, as we follow him, as we pursue him, as husbands and wives, he will bring his design to completion, to fruition. But listen, I want to, you got to do it his way. We got to do this his way. And, and the beauty is, is, is the incredible redemption that, that has happened to help bring you to this point so that you are without excuse, that you can move forward in this in a way that honors him. And like I said, this transcends whether you're married or not. I mean, just think about that, that he who began a good work in you will, be, will bring it to completion. He'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So you are on this continuous journey with him that he is leading, that he is guiding if you are following him. And so what you can know and be confident in is anything he's going to lead you in, anything he's gonna direct you in, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a situation, whether it's a job, whether it's a move, any of those things, you can be confident because you know his best interests uh, are, are in, in mind and he's always making these decisions where you are going to experience the greatest benefit and even more importantly, it's going to take you farther along this journey to the place where it's talking about where you are presented before, the, before Jesus, blameless, spotless, 
holy, glorious, all these things, it says. And so as we follow him, he continues to take us on that journey and he will be faithful to complete it. And I'm like, man, how close can I get to that completion? How, like, like, like God, use me. Like, do whatever you want with my life. I love how 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So it says, and we all, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Jesus has this vision of our future glory and everything he does in our lives moves us towards that goal. And I just, that excites me, not only individually as a Jesus follower, but also in my marriage. Because man, I just, I want my my marriage to be a picture of the gospel. I want to love my wife uh, more effectively. I want to serve her. I want to try and model this to the the best of my uh, ability. And I want it to be the end of my ability because I know that, that I am limited. And the only way that we can sacrificially love as Christ is through his power, through being in Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you this. Men, if you are married, is the car you're driving headed in that direction? If you're not married, is your car headed in that direction? If you're a lady right now in a marriage, is that car headed in the right direction or if you're single is it headed in that direction because I'll say this too if you're single that direction that you're going you are going to attract other people headed in that same direction and when you think about this role and this calling that we are all in that we are going and in that direction to where he can say he's presenting us this church before himself in its completion. And as we think about going in that direction, like there is no middle ground. There's either I'm headed in that direction or I'm not. And I want to challenge us all. Let's go in that direction. And if you are a husband right now, sacrificially love your bride. Sacrificially love her. And if you go, Steve, I can't, then look to the cross. And remember whose sins put Jesus on that cross. And let's just pray. If you say, oh, my marriage is gone, let's pray. Let's, let's see what God can do. But let's change how we view this. And let's change how we lead and how we love. Amen? God bless you. Let me pray.